Welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. My name is David Wheatley. We're here to talk leadership in small, bite-sized and practical chunks. Enjoy. This uh, episode is one of 2024's Family Business Focus episodes, where uh, once a month I'm going to be talking with the leaders at a family business about some of the best practices that they've found are useful for them and potentially to pass on to both new family coming into their business and people in other family businesses. Well, this episode, I'm joined by uh, one of my family business connections for 2024. I'm joined by Nick Bancroft and Garrett Bancroft, who work for AgroLiquid in St. John's, Michigan. And so welcome, gents. And I wonder if one of you would just give us a quick overview of uh, AgroLiquid and, and how it fits in a family business world. Yeah, AgroLiquid is a uh, fertilizer producer, provides crop nutrition for all plants grown across the United States, a little bit of international. And uh, as a family business, we were started by uh, Garrett and I's dad and grandfather uh, 40 years ago this year. Um, and I say they did that at the same time. I think that makes us a two and a half generation year old company or something like that. So, well, happy anniversary. And it was started by dad and granddad at the same time. Yes. So so you're the third generation in the company, although kind of the second generation ownership. That's right. Oh. And and so the, there's the two of you. Uh, is dad fully retired? He's about as retired as I think he's going to get. So he's he's out of the office most of the time, but still... Uh, participates on our board and uh, sits in on some of the leadership team meetings. Okay. So he handed ownership over to the two of you plus another brother. Right. Uh, Albert is the other brother. Uh, he works in workforce development and uh, together we kind of manage, manage the operations from an ownership side. Okay. That's cool. So uh, two and a half generations, you've now got uh uh, three brothers, three siblings running the company. So how do you work out what positions, who has what position in that case? How do we do that, Garrett? It's really kind of what you have a passion for. So, and, and Albert's probably floated the most uh, among different departments. Uh, I like the operations side, manufacturing, trucking, uh, purchasing things like that construction projects um albert did marketing for a number of years for us and uh decided he wanted to get more involved on the people side um but the company has afforded us uh the ability to kind of create our own lanes of which we have interest in so that garrett you you run operations I run operations. So in my group, we have the manufacturing distribution, uh, raw material purchasing and uh, construction and in insurance and safety. And and that leaves you with the top job then, Nick. Yeah. And I think one of the things we all have benefited from is, is a ability to work through a lot of these parts of the business as we grew up. So that gives us uh, even a little bit of experience uh, to relate to the people that are reporting to us. 
So, so that, that's always an interesting. When did you start working in the business? And this is the unofficial version, just in case the tax man's listening. Yeah, the unofficial. I we were pretty young when we were, you know, helping out at our research farm and and you know a little bit in the plant here or there. But I think all of us did did some real work through through high school and uh, into our college years. So, and then were you required to go work away, or did you just kind of? keep working, get through college and then start a job in the business. Yeah, we didn't. Um, the business was really growing strongly at the time. And, uh, I think as we look back, you know, on one hand, going out and working somewhere else might've put us a little behind the curve as far as how the business progressed. But, uh, we all put a fair amount of effort into staying relevant and connecting to what other businesses do uh, so that we don't get kind of too hemmed into just our life here at AgroLiquid. So how, how do you do that? Because you know, surrounded by siblings, your dad's still on the board. You uh, still have the farm and the, and the compound up there in St. John's that you're all very close to. How do you stay in touch with uh, the, the rest of the world? Uh, we've all worked uh, with a Vistage group in one form or another, which is a kind of a peer group. And uh, you present issues, present financials to other groups. Garrett's done a couple of unique things, one of which is uh, he runs our captive insurance. And that gives a little bit of perspective into other businesses, right? Yeah. Um, I did the Vistage group. I did, uh, it's called CEN can't think of the acronym now but it's an executive uh peer group and then uh through the through the captive insurance you see at least the one that we participate in you see a heterogeneous group of other individuals from uh uh, car dealers to beverage distributors to uh all sorts of things that you can interface with so you try to make sure you keep in that you're not isolated. You're not blinkered in the family business way. Yeah. As much and, as you can be. <laughs> yeah. We, we've, we've served on other boards, outside boards as well for companies or it's just, just rubbing shoulders with other people that are doing uh, similar things because even though our industry might seem different than a lot of other industries, a lot of times it's the people things, it's the relationship things, it's development, it's growth, it's finances. They're the same in every business. Yeah. Yeah. We've had conversations with that with various clients that you get to a certain level. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It's a, a matter of making sure you, your budget's right and your people are doing the right stuff and the rest of it you can learn on the way. So what's a, what's a challenge that you've had from the perspective of a family business? What's the biggest challenge that you face? It, probably the biggest ongoing challenge in agriculture is um, just the cyclical nature. Uh, product prices go up, they come back down, and timing and inventory management. Uh, you know, Garrett and I have joked once in a while that he'll make a good buy, and we just don't want to lose the money on the way down that we made on the way up and inventory. And and there's just, just the ability to be flexible and movable and adapt to different financial paradigms. So that, so that's a a challenge in your industry Mm -hmm. in that way is that up and down and cyclical nature. 
what's the biggest challenge you've faced as a family running a business at the same time? Um, generational transitions are challenging. Um, they offer uh, opportunity. Uh, they offer challenges. Our, our dad was uh, got sick uh, probably, man, it's been 15 years ago probably now, and uh, just kind of wasn't there to run the business for a period of time. And, you know, in, in family business, you kind of assume everybody's going to always be there. And maybe, maybe you don't do um, as much kind of emergency succession planning, who steps in for who in those kind of scenarios. I say that, but maybe all businesses struggle from that same thing. So, so dad gets sick. What's the, what's the steps that happen in order to make sure that succession or was it was there kind of a pause and then you know it, it it flowed pretty well we had a good senior management team and uh they pulled together and helped us uh run the business through that through that time period and uh i would say probably the market was kind to us there in that period where uh he wasn't around uh we quickly learned uh which things he was doing and and what were the most important things that needed to be done because i imagine that was you know it's a bunch of sons in their 20s suddenly yeah. find themselves running a business because dad's sick right what what pulled you together because you've obviously been successful doing it what what one or two things really pulled you together apart from having a a solid leadership team to make that happen uh i think the the willingness and the vulnerability to listen to other people, to get advice from people who had been successful and were willing to share. Who you already had on board. Yeah. E yeah. Either as employees or as, you know, your, your banking, your insurance, your legal, your accounting, outside people can be pretty helpful as well in a in a pinch like that. And how did they deal with the fact going from you know, one day working with dad to the next day working with these 20-year-old upstarts? Yeah, I think we probably uh, communicate, uh, process issues, and make decisions differently. So uh there, there's, there was some challenges there, but um, I think the willingness for us to listen and work with them was probably key to making that simpler, more palatable. Okay. So it was a, uh, you were thrown into it sooner than you were prepared for it, but then you had each other and a good team around you to allow that success to emerge. Yeah. And yep. and now to a place where pretty much it's the three of you who own the organization and are running it, the different pieces of it. Yeah. Which brings me to nicely to my next question. How do you deal with ownership versus leadership? Well, it it that that can be a challenge. We we run EOS in our business. Yep. Um and so we have a leadership team and uh I lead that leadership team. Uh Garrett participates as a director. Albert participates as, as kind of the visionary role in that team. Uh, so that helps us stay all informed. But then we come together as owners separately 
to try to deal with the higher level uh, issues uh, every week. So that must mean that uh, um, to some degree, there's other people who manage owners. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and so all, all of us, a little bit. yeah, all of us have reported to different people in the business over the years. And in some cases, uh, you know, you reported to somebody and then at some point they report to you and that's, that, that can be a good experience if you've built a good <laughs> relationship and built trust. Well, that was what I was going to say is what's one or two things that you, you think as you look back have been, uh, have allowed that to happen in a way that was successful. Yeah, pr probably the culture of just communicating openly and honestly and, and being vulnerable, um, demonstrating the ability to, uh, be kind of a humble, uh, a humble servant of, of the people that, that work for you. So you're painting a picture of, of a group of kids, if we'll excuse the, the terminology there, that suddenly found themselves running this business and said, look, we don't know completely what we're doing, but we're willing to learn and we'll get better. Right. Is, isn't that how we all develop? It's just just at a different pace or at a different time. Uh, I mean, some people that would be, uh, be a challenge to remove the ego of suddenly find yourself with your last name in charge without the experience that what you're raising is that uh that vulnerability that humility as you said to to put that to one side and say just because my last name is the same as my dad's i don't know what my dad does and i'm ready to learn this stuff and i'm going to make mistakes and and i'll get better as we go yeah i, I think we do that but probably screw it up sometimes at the same time right <laughs> but i imagine yeah. that sense actually is what encourages what, what allows people to want to come back and keep supporting you? Yeah. So what do you wish the previous generation, had, obviously not got sick so soon, but what do you wish the previous generation would have done differently to set you up? You know, it's, I think it's hard to, it's hard to look back and say, what they should have done differently. I think they brought to the business what the business needed at the time. And, you know, it started as a startup from nothing. So some of the structure and the means of transferring the business and transferring uh, responsibilities, I think sometimes is a challenge. But I don't know that uh, you know, we'll probably find new and more creative ways to screw it up next time, right? <laughs> we won't make the same mistakes. We'll probably find some new ones. But uh, is that, uh, I've got to get it because on a daily basis, you're kind of reporting into your, your big brother here. Um, you know, that making mistakes, it, it feels like you've created a culture where that's not only encouraged and allowed, supported as long as we're learning from it. Right. Uh, I think where you you make uh, small decisions, uh, and, and you and I have talked about this, David, where you, you, you make small experiments, try it out, learn from it, and, and move on with what you're doing and say, well, that either worked or it didn't, and here's what we know now, and here's how we're going to do it different or the same, 
for better or worse and keep moving forward and not get hung up on uh, decisions made in the past. Which then feels like one of your best practices, whether you know it or not, is, hey, we're going to be proactive about our communication and let's let each other know what's happening and what's failing and what's not working early. Yeah, I think that's been a strength of ours and it's, you know, part of it is the process through EOS on uh, checking in on quarterly goals and things like that. But uh, just a lot of communication solves a lot of issues that come up down the road. It is funny how often I, I hear that. I, hey, the more I communicate, the more I just, all these problems seem to go away a lot quicker and easily. And um, so if that's a best practice is, is the open communication, that transparency, even to failure, what's a couple of other best practices that you really think help you keep working together and still go to Thanksgiving at the same time? <laughs> yeah, I, th I think separating the work from the personal being able to pause that and different people are better or worse uh at doing that but where you're able to leave it leave work at work and uh have the family be different um solving issues completely so one of the things our process now helps us to do is to make clear decisions and solve issues for the long term. That tends to not leave a cloud over every interaction you have um, going forward. And having good structure and how decisions get made, um, knowing who's responsible for what decisions, no matter what their role is, and letting people make the decisions that are theirs to make. Right. So pushing the decision-making down to the right spot. Mm -hmm. And I like that kind of not letting clouds hang around. So if you communicate early and often, then the clouds don't hover around and, and stagnate a little bit. So is there, do you have a rule like that? Any rule of when you go to the Christmas family party gathering or Thanksgiving, or the, is it a no work conversation? Do your significant others always kind of do that eye roll when the two of you get together and say, what about that truckload of stuff? I, I don't know, Garrett. I think I think we do okay at that, but I'm sure it's easier to say, oh, well, we never do that when we probably do. We do it some. It's easy to get wrapped up in what's going on at work, especially when you've got someone's undivided attention. But, uh, you know, I think it's also easy to get caught up in the family and the kids and, and have that be a focus for you as well. Is that like when you've been trying to get Nick on the schedule for a week and then it turns out he's yeah. sat across the table from you over dinner on a Sunday and it's a matter of, Oh, now I've got this hiring issue. I want to bring up. Right. Right. We do pretty good about leaving it at work though. Just scheduling time. Now the fact that, uh, you know, dad's, still hovering in that spot is is it the kind of thing that if something comes up over the dining table on a sunday that dad's ears prick up and is interested to hear what you have to say or is he the kind of person that would say hey you two keep that stuff at work i think he's interested to hear about it but uh he, he doesn't always give a strong opinion i think i think if uh if we're going to screw it up or he's going to let us do that on our own and and 
work through solving it on our own too. So he's yeah, pretty well, much standoffish on that. You've got it now. Yeah, he's done a really good job about uh, really stepping back and and not getting into the details and really asking us what it what we need of him. And do you, is there some regular things that you turn around and say, "Oh yeah, I need this from your dad." Yeah, so, some of the some of the history, the structure stuff, the uh, you know how did how did we manage markets and pricing, or or it's nice to have somebody around. Hey, why did you make this decision back ten or fifteen years ago? So often you don't have have those people available to you. But but also you make it sounds like you make very different decisions to the way he would have made decisions as well. Yeah, yeah. I think the way we the way we process is different. Um, uh, I'm I'm pretty analytical. Uh, Garrett is as well. Um, his his gut was uh, was really good at you know pricing and marketing decisions and. Uh, I guess I didn't. I didn't get that gut. I've got to have some data behind a lot of mine. Well, he had the data. It's just it was hidden deep down in his subconscious somewhere. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. So, what are your plans for the next generation? I and I think most of your kids are still fairly small. But are you, are you having thoughts about succession and anybody in the next generation who wants to get involved? Yeah, my oldest is 17 and Garrett your youngest is 5. So that that puts a pretty pretty nice broad <laughs> yeah, pretty broad range. Um you know, they'll they'll have the opportunity but they're going to come into the business at a different time than when we came in uh from a size and organizational development side. So we've spent some time talking amongst us at how that works and and started to have some of the conversations with the older kids about uh, what that requires because you know three brothers is one thing but uh, you know nine cousins all working together I think that would even be more more challenging and you see businesses that have done that successfully and you've seen businesses that have really struggled with that next expanded uh, generation. And we're even on version two of this because we had a good plan that we thought was great laid out. And then we, we looked at it a couple years down the road and we're like, eh, not really sure that's really what we intended to be the outcome. In, in terms of the next generation? Correct. So you had great ideas while the oldest one was five, but then when the yeah. oldest one became 17, it was like, oh, yeah somehow it's different when you're looking them in the eye at that point but and and we've put a couple we we put a couple outside board members uh on our board that improves our board meetings and gives us some accountability we also have one in there who had a strict no family in the business policy and we have one who's managing gen three six. or six, six. Gen, yeah. yeah so um that that gives us some different perspective on things that have worked or not worked or watch outs as we 
make those decisions. So you specifically added board members with family business experience. We did. And you've got the range of family business experience as well. Mm-hmm. So in, in generation two of your succession planning, what, what are some of the, the rules or the, the absolutes that you have in place for Nick's 17-year-old or Garrett's <laughs> five-year-old? Yeah, the, the the main thing is that, you know, we owe it to the people in this business to make sure that if we bring in family members, that they have the skills to do the roles that we put them in, the skills and abilities to do that. And be, because we've had a policy that we haven't hired other outside family members into the business. So I think people would look at that and say, well, I don't know that I want to see the next generation come in unless they they're skilled in the area that they've uh, had to come into. And I think for the three brothers here, we've kind of had to prove that and earn some stripes. I have laughed at a couple of people that have said, you know, and people remember things you did that were stupid when you were 12 or 14 years old. And they said, you know, I, I've, I'm 50 and I've been here three years and nobody remembers me any farther back than that. So you kind of carry that with you for eternity. So you said you made a rule to not hire any uh, other family members in. Is that a Bancroft family or just any other family members of any employee? Uh, Both um, so that we don't have uh, related people in the kind of in the same reporting relationship. And, and I think that's, I think that's both worked good for us. I think that's probably cost us the opportunity for some talent in some cases. Which is interesting because of the, the kind of, you, you have two brothers reporting to another brother, but you won't have any more people come in. Yeah. Well, we, we find new and creative ways, like I said, to mess that up from <laughs> time to time, but uh, you've got to, you got to be willing to manage it. And you're now looking at the next generation and saying, okay, what what would that need to look like? And the first rule being, you better be the best person for this position. Yeah. Yeah. And and what's helped us, I think, is even though we do come together and we work together somewhat closely, the things we're doing are spread out enough that we're not sitting in the same office six foot from each other, you know, doing the same thing every day. We've got a little space to do our own thing. You can at least have to throw over somebody else's cubicle to get to each other. Yeah. <laughs> I know your office too well, obviously. So um but that long term, I mean, you're both young guys, you're you've got a fair career ahead of you. Do you envision AgriLiquid continuing in the family after this current generation? Yeah, that's our intent. And that's what we've communicated to our employees and you know, Garrett, I, I think our employees appreciate that, that vision. Yeah. Part of our culture is, you know, family beyond our family, I think, or at least that's the way I feel. And so I think they, they view, uh, that next generation hopefully as an opportunity to continue that culture. Uh, they've obviously picked this place because there are some attributes that they enjoy about it. And I think that's one of them. Well, it'd be interesting to see what uh, your five-year-olds a fair way off yet, but Nick's 17 year olds, not that far away from the age that you were when you took over. Yeah. It's going to come fast. <laughs> Is that scary? 
Sure. <laughs> so, so if if you were talking to either your son there or another family business member, what's one or two things you'd say? Hey, if you're thinking of being part of the family business, consider these three things first. Oh, three things. Rules of engagement, you know, know, know how the family is going to work together, who's going to be in charge, how you're going to make decisions. Um, as much of that up front as possible. Yeah. yeah. Earlier in my career, we the kind of the leadership or the senior management team made a lot of decisions by consensus. And that worked as long as you could kind of run back and forth in between. But as we grew, we had to get a little more formal with that decision-making process. And, and I think that's one place where if you've got family, uh, you know, that, that can be challenging. Um, what else? What other ideas are good things to set up, Garrett? Um, you know, one thing that I think has made us work really well together is finance and debt strategy and goals. Uh, it creates a high level of alignment uh, for where you want to go, what you want to invest in, and uh, what what dollars you're willing to let sit in the business, um, as well as you know some transparency. Uh, you almost have to do team building among the family. You wouldn't think so because you've lived for so long together, but uh, you know when you're in making those decisions, having that ability to understand where people come from and, and maybe not take things as personally as they are a family member as, as you otherwise would. Yeah. One thing we do that's kind of fun and entertaining is because we, we know what our financial strategy is. We meet monthly and go through the statements of the business and uh, our finance director, kind of guides us through that, but we keep score, you know, so whoever gets the most things right at the end wins and uh, Garrett often wins the financial scoring. So is that the rest of the team's aware of that or is that just between the three of you? No, we joke about that pretty openly. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Well, the last thing I was going to ask is um, now, Nick, you're the oldest. Yeah. Where do you sit, Garrett? I'm the youngest. And so Albert's in the middle? Correct. Do you see you know, any uh, of that birth order kick? Have, have you always been able to just follow Nick because he's your big brother? Is that sometimes frustrating because you're the, the, the young one and he's always in charge? I, I don't find it frustrating, but I also don't want all that responsibility. I'm happy to let him, uh, you know, kind of be the buck stops here, take some of my anxiety away. There's definitely, in my opinion, something to birth order and how you function uh, in a in a group of brothers. And, and I think knowing that to some degree is part of that team building, knowing how people make decisions, how they're thinking, where they're coming from, uh, just somewhat helps you work better together at times. It sounds like you're so open with each other anyway, that, that you nip things in the bud if there are issues that because you know the way each other works yeah put it on the table talk about it solve the issue and move on and i imagine it helps because you kind of alluded to that garrett you don't want nick's job 
I story. don't know. So you're quite happy doing your job and letting Nick do the CEO job and there's no issue around that. I agree. Yeah. Which I mean, it's, I guess you've got it nice in, in a few ways. There is that fits that's comfortable for you. You've got that fitting nicely into your world and uh, your dad stepped away fairly significantly. And so you've not got that hovering factor either. So you've, you've got the, the place to play with yourselves. Yeah. And those things have made it, made the transition and working together simpler, I'm sure. Well, Nick Garrett, thank you very much for spending a little over half an hour with us this afternoon. I really appreciate your insight. And, uh, and I hope that other people find some snippets of, of gold in amongst that and congrat and well, good luck on the next generation, which sounds like it might be coming up sooner than you think. Yeah. Thanks, David. Thanks. Thank guys. you. That was the Humanity Leadership Podcast. My name's David Wheatley. For further information about Humanity, go to humanity.com or check out our latest book, What Great Teams Do Great, from all good bookstores. Have a good one. Stay healthy.